I've never been so alone in my life. I've never been so lonely. If I ever knew brokenness at that moment, I was aware of my brokenness. If I ever knew shame at that moment, I was full of shame. I was hungry. I was in a lot of pain. I was very cold. I was very hungry. And I was very, I mean, very, very scared. Hi, I'm Wayne Jacobson. And over the next 10 episodes, I want to introduce you to my friend, Lewis, who is one of the most incredible human beings I've ever had the pleasure to know. And I've known many. I've authored a number of books on spiritual intimacy. I've helped to facilitate conversations across some of the most divisive issues of our day with rooms full of polarized people. And to do both of those things, I've traveled all over the world. I've met thousands of people and find each one fascinating in their own way. But I've never met anyone like Lewis. His story is one of the most compelling I've ever heard. Out of a painful childhood, he carries an unrelenting hunger for life. And in that pursuit, he has become a man of deep wisdom and unfathomable generosity. I've known him for the past 12 years, and he has become one of my closest friends and confidants. So let's begin on the afternoon of December 19th, 1994. It's a cold evening in Tijuana. Lewis is 21 years old. He first came to the United States when he was 16 on a visa for competitive boxing. But when it expired, he stayed on with his brothers and sisters who were already living here. A few days before, he'd returned to Mexico to take a car to his mother, who desperately needed it. Now he's headed back. And without a visa, that means finding his way through the wall. Earlier in the day, he had landed in Tijuana and made his way to the border. He's alone. And this is his story in his own words. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be arriving at Tijuana International Airport in about five minutes, where it's a chilly 50 degrees. Please make sure your seats and trays are in the the first thing I recall is when, when you're on the plane and the pilot announces yeah, that you're coming to Tijuana, that thing starts bringing like shivers into your, into, uh, into your body and uh, you get goosebumps and, and, and your, your heart starts uh, racing, uh, just knowing what, what's to come, lots of fear. And then that's the moment where you start questioning yourself, why in the world did I leave the U.S. to begin with? What was I thinking? So on the excitement, I wanted to see my mom and, and everything, everything's fine. You're on your way back to Mexico, but on the way back, that's when you're paying the price. And uh, being 21 and uh, uh, single, I didn't have much responsibilities. So, you know, I was, I was a bit reckless. That's something, I, a chance I would not take now, especially with the wife and kid. Back then, I took that risk and uh, I pay a hefty price for it. When I was, uh, um, I remember the, the, when you first come, come here, you're in a place that you're, it's kind of like limbo. Tijuana is still part of Mexico, but you don't belong there and you don't belong, uh, you don't, you're not where you were born. You don't belong, you just don't belong there. They, 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 they don't need, I don't think you, they even want you there. That's a place where, where everybody, uh, there's a lot of predators if, uh, in a lot of prey there. 
I remember the uh, the night when I was uh, crossing. You try to cross as you know as soon as possible. So on that very same night, I tried to cross. As I was uh, uh, preparing to to cross, uh, you just up cro- get get as close as you can to the border. And uh, at that point, there were three points of entry, and uh, there were uh, one that's called canals where the sewer lines go. You know, the canals for the sewer lines. There's another one called playas, which you mean the, by the beach. And there is another one called El Cerro, which is the mountains. So I decided to go with the canals. As I was getting close to the canals, because you have to get close to the border, there's area like a no man's land where uh, the Mexican police patrols, and you have to go through that. They have, a, they have another police back then that it was kind of some sort of a secret police called BETA, B-E-T-A. It's an acronym. I don't know what it stands for, really, but it's called B-E-T-A. There was so much corruption that they changed it. Now it's a support team now. They help migrants now at the border. If somebody gets hurt or stuff like that, kind of like a Red Cross type of thing, but uh, not to confuse them with the Red Cross, what they did, they, they all dressed in orange from top to bottom. So uh, back then, they used to be dressed like, like us, you know, like civilians, like anybody else. And their job was to infiltrate into just going to people and find out who was, uh, uh, who was in drug cartels or who was in a uh, smuggler or who was uh, pickpocketed, things like that. Uh, but there were very, uh, there's, uh, there was a lot, of, I'm not saying all of them are or were, but there were the, one I, the ones I encountered that were corrupt. I didn't know they were part of the law enforcement because they didn't even identify themselves. One of them approached me and he just, uh, he pulled a knife and he says, give me all your money. At first, I, he was kind of like 20 feet away from me. I didn't really took him seriously. I just kept walking. I ignored him. And then two more came. One, I remember one from my left and one from my right and the other one was behind me. That's when I knew this thing got real. And having a background on boxing and being fit, running seven miles every day, and not just running, but I mean really running, I was in great shape. The only thing I had back then, it was two things, a $100 bill, which is what's a mistake, and uh, uh, one of those uh, stick chapsticks that my mom gave me was a brand new one. I remember it was still like on the, in, in the seal, it was still wrapped. My mom, uh, she said, uh, uh, it was December and, said, and she remembered her say, telling me, it's gonna get cold and your lips will get chapped. So here, this is for the road. It's not the mistake to have the $100, but having the actual bill, not having like uh, different different denominations, like fives, you put, you can stack $10 on one shoe and then 20 on the other one and, you know, different packets, not have one. If you if they take 100 bill, they take it all. They, uh, they wanted money and at one point I tried to reason with them telling them that look you know you're here you're struggling I'm struggling you know that don't I mean you're you're taking from I mean you're what are you doing you're taking you're just taking from the poor and my mentality at that point that I was I was trying the way I was trying to reason with them is by telling them you should take from the rich right you know come on in my mind I said like you know why are you taking from me I have nothing so they they said well you have shoes you have everything else so you're gonna give us all of that so as they got, got, got close to me, I guess, I guess it's one of those reactions or fly or fight. And I start to fight them. 
And uh, I remember the first one when he approached me, he pointed the, the knife really close to me and just by a reaction, I flinched and I grabbed his right hand with my left and then I punched it with my right and then I came back with the left hook again and knocked him out. Then the other two attacked me and, and I just knocked, knocked out all three of them. And I start to start running. And then as, as I was encountering people, because it was at that time, like it was around, I don't know, like probably 11-ish p.m. So you see a lot of people there. There's people all night there. They're doing all kinds of things, whether they're selling, buying, or or crossing. So as I encountered, I, I said, hey, there's robbers back there. Don't go that way, right? And everybody could just keep running. And then I start heard them. I heard them back there screaming the, the word, pareja, ayúdame, pareja, ayúdame. Uh, your, your pareja, it's your partner. Help me, help me. That's when I was, when I was starting, it dawned on my mind. I was like, wait, what are they calling each other partners? You know, that's something that you don't use like that. And and uh, and then I they start running behind me and I start hearing radios, and so I was like, "What did I get myself into?" Later I learned that they were actually police officers. I didn't know. And uh, even I mean they tried to rob me. However, doesn't make it right either. But at least I would not. I would have just probably hand them the hundred dollars. Get it. Get it over with. So they started chasing me. And they chased, it, chased me down the canals. They chased me for like probably, I don't know, maybe like two hours by then. It was like probably 1 a.m. Because there's a part where there's no where there's no fence between the U.S. and Mexico. At least not on 90. It was like the width of like two football, football fields. That time there was a lot of water running, but it was still raining. It was kind of full. On top of that, then you have roads and then you have parks. So it's about kind of like, I don't know, about four or five uh, football fields width from uh, the fence of the United States border to the first road in um, the Mexican side. So it's just empty. It's just empty. You're just running on concrete uh, all this whole time because the canals are so wide. The first thing on my mind, the first thing was like when I start hear, hearing that, I just I just hit because I couldn't explain myself. I mean, they, it was my word against them, and I was going to lose. They, those three were corrupt, definitely. On the edge of the canals, there's like this kind of like gaps, if, if you want to call them. And what I did, I hid on one of them. Some of them are wider than others. So what I did, I, I just went sideways on one of them. And I just hid there for like, I don't know, maybe like about two hours probably until I didn't hear any more sirens uh, of cars or, 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 you know, cars running around or seeing any movement or hearing anything. Uh, after that, I thought it was done. I got out and then I started walking and um, I was really hungry, thirsty, scared, very scared. So I start walking towards the Mexican side to the houses there on Tijuana. And I'm going to see if I can find a place where I can eat something. So I start walking towards, uh, uh, towards, uh, towards the, uh, there was a, a, I remember a, a chain link fence and I start walking towards it. When I, when I, as soon as I jumped the fence, I saw a police car coming actually in the opposite direction, 
but there was a divider on the road. The the car couldn't couldn't make a U-turn there. So when when I saw when I saw the car going by, my heart started racing again because I thought they're gonna they're, they're gonna probably still they're probably still looking for me. As soon as there was the the first opportunity to make a U-turn, it it made a U-turn and turned on the uh, turned on the lights. At that moment, I knew I knew it was because of me. So I took off running again back into the canal. When I ran into the into the uh, into the canal, that same that same police cruiser, that same car, they actually drove through the chain link fence because in their mind I assaulted police officers. So in their mind I was I was the worst, and they they needed to stop me. They start following me on that car. There's parts where you you cannot go on cars, so they get out of the car. They started chasing me, and I start seeing police everywhere. They look like ants. I mean, everywhere. I didn't know it was a uh, it was a such a big deal. They were all looking for me. They made it a priority to catch me. They started shooting at me, and some were were screaming "stop." Others were just shooting at me. All of a sudden, I got this thought, very strong thought in my mind, that said, "Stop, stop." So I didn't obey them. I obeyed the voice that said stop. So I stopped. And they, uh, I, I remember when I stopped and I put my hands up, they start shooting at me. And I start, I thought I was getting shot on the legs because I start feeling like, like kind of like bee stings. They feel kind of like bee stings on my, on my, on my calves and my legs. But what it was that when they were shooting, they were shooting at the, at the, at the they were hitting the concrete. The, uh, all the little shrapnel from the, from the concrete was hitting me on the legs. And then I looked down and I touched my legs and, and they were all bloody. In my mind, I thought I was shot. So they got really close to me. They have their, all their guns drawn and everything. They, uh, they start giving me instructions, get on the ground. I got on the ground. Uh, they said, uh, put your hands behind your back. I put my hands behind my back. They handcuffed my hands and they they also handcuffed my leg. And as soon as as soon as they did that, that's when the beating started. <laughs> then they started kicking me like I mean I don't know for how long it seemed like an eternity. They broke two ribs on my right side. Uh, I was all beat up. Then they put me back on my feet and uh, they start carrying me down, like dragging me. And my face was hitting the concrete because they were dragging me like if I was a, I don't know, a piece of luggage. When somebody else came in, they uh, he ordered them to take down the handcuffs off my feet. So they took him off and then I, they helped me up. When they helped me up, this, uh, I remember that this uh, female officer came in and as she got really close to me, she spit on my face. She spit on my face and, and then she says, this is the guy that beat up our partners. And then she tried to slap me. And then I saw, I saw when she tried to slap me and boxing, it's called telegraph. She, I saw it coming, so I slipped the punch and then she hit somebody else. That was, I thought it was really funny. And then when she grabbed my chin and then she started punching me on the face. When she did that, I, I said something I shouldn't have done it. I, I remember looking at her and, and say, and, and say, is that all you got, really? And I, 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 I tried to make it, I don't know why I said that. I said, you hit like a girl. Then I know a guy came in, grabbed my chin, and hit me with his flashlight, uh, with his flashlight right on top of my head. 
he hit me so hard that my eyes were watery. I didn't cry because of the pain. It, the, 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 uh, the tears were forced down my, my eyes. It was really painful. And then he looked at me and said, how's that? Did I hear it like a kid, like a girl also? I, all I remember, all I, all I did was I looked out and I didn't, say, I didn't say a thing. I just remained quiet. It was the best thing I could do. They took me back at the station. And uh, when, once I was there, they, they, put me on, they put me on a lineup. And uh, then they brought these uh, two uh, Caucasian girls, probably on their early 20s. They said, is this the guy who tried to steal your money? But they kept pointing at me. There was more people in the lineup. And then, and then she, said, she said, I can't even recognize him. He's so bloody. So they uh, remember they, uh, they, they cleaned my face with paper, with paper towels. And then, and then I looked at her. And I don't know why I said this, but without even her saying, recognize me, I should just kept quiet, I guess. But I was so full of rage and anger. And uh, I had a lot of emotions going. Uh, I looked at her and I said, did I, did I do, do something to you? Did I? And she looked at me and she says, no, I don't even know this man. And then they separate me and they, they said, you cannot talk to her because you, you intimidated her. That's why she doesn't want to uh, accuse you. So I, okay. So they brought me back out. I, lo- I, I, I looked at her. She looked at me and she says, no, this man didn't try to rob uh, from me. Apparently their MO was, or their motives were that I was the one that tried to steal from her. And that's why the other three officers attacked, attacked me. And then I, that's why I beat them up on their mind. They were trying to frame me like that. Um, after after this girl, this uh, two girls say that they didn't recognize me. Then they brought me back to right away to the George. Then I I explained my case and I told him what happened because he saw me so beat up and everything. He didn't want to deal with any medical uh, uh, bills or anything. So what he did, he just uh, he released me. He uh, he just said, okay, okay, you're free to go. He says, but how can you prove that you just came from Mexico? I remember reaching into my pocket and then I, ha- I still had the ticket that they give you at the airport. Then I showed him that because they took my wallet. I had nothing. So they, they, they gave my wallet back. I checked to make sure everything was there. And then that's what I noticed. I said, where's my $100 bill? They went off and huddled between all of the officers. And then they said, and, and they talked for like two minutes. And then they came back and says, no, you had nothing. I asked him, I said, okay, at least can, can you guys give me a ride back? I asked them for a ride back to the border. Uh, they, they said, okay. So one of the guys says, here, I feel bad for you. So he reached on his packet and he gave me a little bit of cash. He was like 200 pesos at the time, which is what, like 55 cents. One of, one of the captains there, he says, I will take you back to the border. I'll give you a ride as community service, he says. We were going out the door. Remember I said that my mom gave me a, a, one of those chapsticks? As I was walking through the door, one of the police officers who arrested me, he was unwrapping it and using it. Uh, I looked at him and I said, you have my $100 bill. And he says, what, what are you talking about? I don't even know you. And I said, where did you get that chapstick? And I said, well, I bought it. And I said, let me see. He, at the bottom, I put, I put the, 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 the word L-A. And I did that. I always do that. Even in my, uh, now, uh, now uh, um, today, I still do that in my house. So nobody can use it but me. And then after they, they said they searched him and everything and, and they couldn't find anything. But this guy, out of, the, out of his kindness of his heart, he says, I didn't steal from you, but you know what? I, I'm a victim here, but you know, here's 500 pesos, okay? Leave me alone.
when he dropped me off, he dropped me off almost on the same area where the, where they picked me up. So I started walking on the canals. I start really, really started hitting me. Really, really hit me. I've never been so alone in my life. I've never been so lonely. If I ever knew brokenness at that moment, I was aware of my brokenness. If I ever knew shame at that moment, I was full of shame. I was in a I was in a country that yet it was my country, but it was like if I wasn't, I was hungry. I was in a lot of pain. I was I was very cold. I was very hungry. And I was very, I mean, very, very scared. I didn't, I didn't know anybody there. I was lost. So what I did, I went, remember the gap I mentioned earlier where I hid? I was looking for one of those gaps because I didn't want anybody to see me crying. I found one of those big, but this one was bigger. I found one of those gaps and then I went in there. It's like I went in there and I just sit there and and I cried and I cried. And I remember, I remember hearing and, and feeling rats, you know, walking by my feet. I didn't care. Oh, I felt like I, I touched bottom. And at that moment, I was actually questioning. I was, I knew about God. Uh, I heard about God. I didn't have a relationship uh, with him. I, I, my, I knew that I knew God as a father that he was far, far away from me. So I started crying out to him, and and I I I I, I started questioning, and I start saying, "Look, I mean, all my whole life, it's nothing but a struggle. What is this? Why me?" I said, there's so many people, I, and I start questioning myself because there was a lot of bad people on earth, and why not them? Why me? So I started crying and crying. I mean, I cried. I don't know, maybe for half an hour. All of a sudden, I start feeling this, I, the, the uh, like hearing this rumble. It was like this rumble, like something, uh, and like like shaking. And in my mind, I I was I didn't know what was going go what was going on. All I remember was try to look up, and then as I look up, there was like an explosion, really quick, like split second. I was down, I was down, and I was in, in, in like water, in a lot of water. And not just waste, uh, waste deep water. No, no, no. I was, I was swimming in water. And I didn't know what was what what, what happened. So I, I I'm, I'm fighting, trying trying to get up to the top and, and and get some air. I don't know what's going on. I'm on a lot of pain, really cold. So my instinct is to swim towards the uh, the the sides, not to not to go fight the current or go with the current. When I got to the other side, I found I figured out what happened. What happened was that the gap where I was standing on it wasn't a gap; it was a relief valve, where they uh, release water from the uh, from from the sewers. They just opened up, and that thing flew me off, shoot with such force that it just shoot me off and flew me off. And then I learned that they do that at night. 
to, to prevent people getting hit during the day because at night there's less people. It was sewage water, yes. In Mexico, there's a, there's an old saying that says, solamente falta que un perro venga y me, y me, y me los pies. The only thing left is for a dog to come and pee on my feet. That's the only thing left. That's how low you come. I started crying and I went on my knees. I, I saw this group of people and this group of people, they were like, they were homeless and junkie. And they were, sit, they were sitting uh, uh, around uh, this can, like, it was uh, like a 200, uh, two, 200 gallon drum cut in half, uh, you know, made out of metal. And they made it like a fire pit. So I got close to them and I, when I got close to them, I was uh, uh, obviously very cold. So I, I got close to them and I said, would you guys allow me to, uh, because the, the circle was so tight. Uh, there was a lot of people there. I said, would you guys please allow me to get close to the fire so I can warm up myself? As I, get, as I get closer, everybody started, they started kicking me. They started calling me stinky. Can you imagine? You know, homeless. They were telling, they were telling me, they were telling me, uh, they were telling me that, you know, I was, I was, I was too bad. They were too good for me. That's how low I have, I, 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 I come. Now, I wasn't mad at them. I was so full of shame that I, I felt like I have no right to even, even get mad. What I did, I, I asked them and I said, if I can get my own wood and can you give me some of your fire so I can start my own my own bonfire here? They said, yeah, 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 yeah. Just uh, pick up your own sticks, whatever, and, and, and come back when, when, when you need fire. Okay. So I start picking up papers. I start picking up sticks, everything I could, you know, uh, dead grass, whatever. When I was ready, I went back to, to them and I asked them for some fire. They, uh, uh, I lit up a piece of paper and then I remember trying to run, you know, run back to, back to, to my little pit. And when I started the fire, I put sticks on it and I started throwing papers on it so I can keep the, uh, the fire alive. I had this piece of paper that uh, I was, I was going to throw in there and the, uh, my hands were still like soggy or wet and, and it got stuck on my hand. I remember that. Then I, I, I shook my hand and it fell down and on the floor. And then I picked it up again and I, and I threw it, not just put, put it there. I threw it so, so it won't get st stuck on my hand and it didn't land it on the fire, landed on the side. When I pick it up, picked it up, I noticed that it was folded. When I unfolded, I start seeing these letters in there and it was written like with a Sharpie. It was in Spanish. It's just le letters in there. It, it didn't have no numbers or anything. And as I start reading it, it, uh, it said this. Thus said the Lord, the one that formed you, Israel, and the one that created you, Jacob. I call you by your name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, you will not run. And when you walk through the fire, you will not burn. And the, and the fire will not burn you because I love you and you're honored. I mean, when I heard those words, my entire world shaked.
I mean, anything I knew, nothing, anything I knew on this earth, nothing mattered. I look up to heaven and I said, you do exist. You see me and you hear me. When I was there, you were not silent. You were paying attention to me. I matter. You know, there's there's billions of people on this earth, but you see me. You're a God. You're a God that see me as one. Not a, you don't see me as part of the masses. I said, thank you. I love you. I love you, Father. For the first time, I called someone Father. I call that honey-like thick love that it sticks to you and 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 it's there and 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 you can't can't even uh, imagine it after that i started crying and screaming and I, you could hear the people on the other side the homeless screaming the stinky has gone mad the skink the stinky has gone mad he's crazy he's crazy and somebody walking by i remember that at that moment i was raising my head my hands to heaven and with the paper in my hand and screaming out loud, much I said, I love you too. I love you, Father. I was calling him Father. He didn't tell me he was my father. I knew he was my father. Nobody had to tell me he was. I knew he was. Then this guy walks by, pulls, pulls a gun, and demanded money. At that moment, I still have the, the paper on my, on my right hand. I remember opening my arms and, and say, look at me. What can you take from me? In fact, you can't kill me. I got close to him. You know what the Bible says, that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding? At that moment, I was so cold, but the peace of God surpassed it. I was in so much pain, but yet it was secondary. Like it didn't even matter. I was so cold, so hungry, so thirsty, but none of that mattered. The only thing I didn't have anymore, it was fear. It was peace and love combined. Explain it with words, I cannot. And at this moment, when I when I when I talk about this, when I tell this story, it's, it's a well that got opened, and I still drink from it as of today. So, because I feel the same thing, I feel His love, I feel it. So when this after after I said that to this guy, tried to rob me, he shook his head. He looked at the other guys and and, and the, he says, "Yeah, you guys are right. This guy is crazy." He left. I continue. I continued to read the note over and over and over, and I continued to cry and cry and cry. I don't know what time it was by then. All of a sudden, I heard this voice—the same voice that told, that told me stop when the uh, uh, when the police officers were chasing me. That same voice. This time, he uh, he called me. And see, he said, come to me. 
but he called me from beyond the fence. Believe it or not, this story gets even wilder from there. In the next episode, however, we'll take a step back to understand why a 21-year-old would be alone on the border, risking his life in the hope of freedom. And to understand that, we've got to go back to Lewis's childhood and why he so desperately wanted to return to the United States. Next time on My Friend Lewis. I used to stand by the road watching for these so-called motorhomes to, uh, to come. I heard that they, they can take children to adopt them. So in my mind, I was, I was just standing by the side of the road waiting for these so-called Americans, I'd never seen one, to drive by so I can just flag them down somehow so they can pick me up and take me with them. I, I was like, that's my chance. That's my way out. My Friend Lewis is a production of Blue Sheep Media in association with Lifestream.org. Copyright 2021 by Wayne Jacobson. All rights reserved. Produced by Ken Joy for Ken Joy Media.